You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast, a podcast presented by the one and only Black Lay Media, your favorite Metal Blade subsidiary. I'm Matt Bacon here. I don't have my usual co-host, uh, Chris Santos, this particular week, but I do have a very good friend of mine, someone who has shaped the scene in a lot of kind of weird ways. Ayal Levy, how are you today, Ayal? Good, how are you doing? I'm uh, rocking and rolling. So let's break down a little bit of what you do, because you have, obviously, most people know you from Death, which is your band started in 2007. No, it started in 1999. First label album came out in 2007 through Roadrunner. Um, but no, I started it in 99. So I've been around a while. Oh, wow. So you must have been really young. Yeah, like 19 or something? 18, 19? Wow, cool. It's been around a while. I guess that's the, the moral of the story is it's been around a while. Yeah. So you also run the URM Academy. Yep. Which is huge. It's the biggest recording academy that's sort of metal oriented. Is it the biggest recording academy in the world at this point? Probably the only one too. Yeah. We call ourselves the biggest and best online school for rock and metal producers. So I, I think one of the things that I find really interesting about this is the impact it had on the community because I feel like you kind of started to teach a bunch of people, oh, here's some stuff you should probably know, or here's how to grow as a producer in a way that I don't think anyone really had access to before. No, they didn't. How do you feel that kind of changed the scene? Here's what I noticed was when I was working as a producer full-time, I was at a, a place called Audio Hammer, so we did a bunch of, you know, a bunch of pretty high-level records for metal bands, and all the way down to local bands or unsigned bands. And what I was noticing, and this was like the early 2000 teens, is that more and more people in the bands were recording themselves. Uh, there, Every band had one person at least who had like an M box. And uh, that's just the direction they were going. They were booking less and less time, less and less full albums and just like coming in for drums and vocals and mix and then recording all the guitars themselves or just drums and mix. That That's just kind of how things were starting to go. And they were doing it themselves. 
and what we were getting was garbage. Yeah. Pure, unadulterated garbage from these musicians. And it just seemed to me like there was no no turning this back. Like this is the direction that things were going because you can't you can't reverse the flow of uh, technological evolution and the technology was making it easier and easier and easier for people to start recording themselves. Um, and with metal already being a low budget genre, it just made perfect sense that this is direction it was going to go. You also throw in the fact that metal has a community and a very like engaged online community. I knew that the moment people really started to like get good at it on their own, they're going to talk about it online and it was going to spread. So I took a look at what was already online and it was also garbage. There was nothing credible, nothing by anyone who had done anything that sounded any good or that anybody cared about. And I just felt like someone needed to step up and step up and document how metal is made on the production end and show that next generation how to do it so that, you know, we didn't lose this art form, but also so that uh, this art form didn't just degenerate into horrible quality garbage, um, which is kind of, if you listen to the quality of mixes around 2010, stuff was going in a really weird direction. Um, and I think the ship's been righted. Now I think records sound better than ever, but uh, I just, I felt like someone had to do it and no one was going to do it. So I did it. Obviously it was the right thing to do because it did get big. I don't think that you can just accidentally get big with something like that. You only get big with something like that if the public wants it and if they're ready for it. So now what I've noticed, so what kind of impact has it had? What I've noticed is that mixers are getting better. And I don't mean the top level ones, because obviously the top level ones are getting better. But I mean, the median level is way higher than it used to be. If you listen to what bands demos sound like now compared to right. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, every decade you go back, bands demos sound worse and worse until it's just pure shit. But now bands demos sound very close to releasable. And I know that some people who are insecure, uh, some producers are insecure would say that that's a bad thing, but I think it's a great thing because it helps bands solidify their vision before coming to the studio with a producer. It, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing. It helps everybody. So bands are much more clear about what they want. They know how to get that done. And then also there's less shitty engineers ripping bands off because in the past, basically, bands would go to producers because they were the only game in town. You know, starting your own studio was prohibitively expensive. And so you would go to the person around town, whether they knew what they were doing or not, whether they liked metal or not, you you know, you're just stuck with them. And that led to a lot of terrible sounding recordings. And now that bands know better and there are other options you don't have to go to those people anymore. So it's freed bands to, I guess, make better decisions. So all in all, I think it's a good thing. So you said something really interesting that I want to talk about for a second. You almost viewed this at one point as essentially almost a battle for the soul of the genre. Kind of. To keep the genre alive. 
I mean, not, I don't want to sound like delusional. I don't, I know, I don't want to make it sound pretentious, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I don't mean every aspect of the genre, but like my little, my little end of it, I was just trying to improve my end of it, of what I could. And, you know, the way records sound, the way bands sound is a, it's a huge part of how people feel about them and interact with them and how it sounds, even though I think the songs are more important, it's a combination of how the song makes you feel, but also how it's delivered to you, which is the sonic qualities of it. They make a big difference in how you're going to feel about it and whether you're going to embrace it or not. So you're talking about something that's vital to a band's career. And so in that way, I do think it was really, really important. But, uh, you know, there's there's lots of smart people and lots of people who care in metal. Like, I don't want to say anything delusional. I did think that metal needed some saving, and I did try to at least help out with what I could help out with. It's cool because we've reached this place where every metal producer, every, like, younger metal producer I know just uses URM Academy. And uh, obviously part of that is like my own, you know, I'm kind of, this is my audience, so I'm just going to naturally think this. Who else are they going to use? Well, that's my thing is like, that's got to feel kind of cool that the entire new generation of metal producers are learning from you guys. It feels cool, but it's also, that was the whole idea. Yeah, of course. The mission statement day one was training the next generation of audio professionals. So if that's what happened almost a decade later, then we, you know, we've done our jobs. I do feel good about it and it does blow my mind when I'm presented with the evidence of it. Um, you know, someone in some big band tells me that they've watched every nail of the mix for the past five years. It's still hard to, I guess, fathom because I'm just me, me with a computer and then sometimes me with my business partners and sometimes me with a guest, but we don't have the the same kind of thing that a band does where you are going to the people as a part of your job. You go to the people, you play to the people, you interact with the people. So for us, it's a little bit more abstract. So when, when we do our URM summits, for instance, or meetups, that's kind of the only time that we get some gauge of the impact on human terms, but it is cool. It's tough to really visualize though, because of the nature of the job. But like, I do like when I get some evidence <laughs> of it being real. Yeah, I get it. Because I feel to a lesser degree, but I, I can relate just in terms of like the Bacon Spitz brand. And someone from Mercyful Fate is like, oh, come stand side stage because I watch your videos every day. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> to what extent did your experience in death kind of inform URM Academy? Not from a, here is the type of content I want as a young musician but from a business or marketing perspective? A few things. First of all, I got an understanding of the inner workings of labels because in, I guess, version 1.0 of Doth, I guess the pre-hiatus, we were on Roadrunner and Century Media, and then also I put a guitar album out through Magna Carta. So I had experience on three labels. And since URM works with labels all the time, like we license songs all the time and we're, we work with all the metal labels, uh, having an understanding of how they all work 
super, super helpful. Doth 1.0 basically laid the foundation for my network. So I'm still working with people that I knew from back in the day, like some of the Roadrunner employees from 2007 are people I still work with. Like these relationships that I formed in those Doth days are still making a difference. Like, you know, Riff Hard just put out a Zach Wild course. You know, Zach works with uh, Blasco. He's managed by Blasco. And Blasco, you know, as people know, is uh, Ozzy's bassist. Well, I met Blasco on the 2007 OzFest that Doth played. Like, tons of stuff like that. Um, basically, Doth 1.0 gave me an understanding, a lay of the land of the metal music industry, of all the key players, um, started all of my relationships, and then also helped me understand how labels work, how bands work, what bands do to fuck up, what bands do when they're doing it right, how producers work, how producers work with bands, like all of it. That, that, was, uh, that laid the foundation for for all of it. That's really cool that it like all came together in that way. Yeah, the cool thing about URM is uh it allows me to use all of my expertise from understanding music to understanding production to understanding the industry to understanding bands to all of it. The reason I guess I'm still so engaged with it is because it it draws from literally all of my experience. So that that's one thing I do enjoy about it and that does make it kind of a cool and unique thing. Um, because I was wondering, I went into audio production full-time after Doth went on hiatus. I had been producing since like 2000, but after the hiatus was when I went to Audio Hammer, and like, I guess that's the equivalent of getting signed or something for producers, like stepping into a studio like that. To be honest, I wasn't having a great time, and uh, I was pretty sure that that wasn't for me. But still, I appreciated the opportunity and I appreciated the knowledge I was getting. I knew I didn't want to keep doing production, but, you know, I had well over a decade worth of production experience. And so I was thinking, how do I take that along with my guitar experience and my band experience and everything and put that together, make it all work together so that none of this was for nothing? And uh, there's URM. That's really cool. And I think that's an interesting way to kind of visualize or conceive of your company, right? Is this idea of like, oh, we can just put these pieces together. Well, yeah. You, I mean, yeah, but you have to put the pieces together into something that makes other people's lives better and that they actually want. Well, yeah. But to me, um, you know, you hear a lot about people going to school for useless degrees, like sure. English major or whatever. Like, I don't think it's useless, but I I'm, I mean, there's a lot of jokes about certain types of degrees, right? Like an English major or philosophy major, even though I know the last CEO of Creative Live was a philosophy major, and he credits that degree with uh, him knowing how to like think his way into a big company. Like anyhow, my point is that like lots of stuff that you do in music, whether it's studying it in school, practicing your ass off, touring making records, whatever. There's a lot of stuff that feels like it's very specific to just that thing and that you can work your ass off at that thing and then it doesn't apply to your life as a whole and it's not transferable. I think uh, probably some military people feel this too when they try to uh, transition into society. They have all these skills and 
society as a whole doesn't give a fuck about those skills. They don't, they don't translate into real job skills or real life skills. And I was facing that in my mid thirties. And I know I don't want to produce bands. My band is on hiatus. What am I going to do? Go back to school? Like what, what the fuck do I do? I have this expertise that I've been working on for like two decades now. I have all this experience, like, but it's kind of all for shit if I don't figure out a way to make it all work. Yeah. So pretty much I figured out how to make it all work together. That's cool. On that note, so it seems like URM Academy, you know, there was sort of an interesting shift during the pandemic, right? Because it used to be that you were kind of traveling everywhere and doing all these things and yada, yada, yada. And then over the pandemic, you kind of stripped it down to its core elements and that almost made it better in a way. It definitely made it better, actually. So before the pandemic, uh, Nail the Mix, which is our flagship monthly program where uh, you know we get the best mixers showing how to mix the best songs by the best bands, and it's the actual tracks by the bands, and it's fucking sick. But uh, we were traveling around once a month, every month, for years and years and years to do these Nail the Mix streams in person with the with the guest mixer but couldn't do that during the pandemic so we started by delaying a few nail the mixes right at the start of the pandemic because you know no one knew how long it was going to last so i i knew it was going to be longer than people thought but i also didn't think it was going to be as long as it was i figured two months something like that three months most and you know we have a lot of goodwill with our community so I figured that they would trust us if we said, look, we can't travel right now. We're going to make up these nail the mixes. Just bear with us. Like we're all going through the same thing. We promise we're going to make these up. People were cool about it. You know, we gave them other things to do during that time, but there's only so long that they were going to be cool about it. Like we couldn't just keep that going indefinitely. And so somewhere around the summer, Nick Pilata, our production manager, figured out how to do Nail the Mix remotely. Um, and honestly, it's better. It's better. There's tons of reasons for why it's better. So we've just been doing that ever since. That's freed up a lot of revenue, a lot of cost to invest in other things. So yeah, we have been able to make everything better by eliminating the constant never-ending travel. And we've been able to upgrade the quality of, uh, of what we do also. So it's not a bad thing, actually. So on that note, what's the next step in the journey? So right now we're focused on developing the best possible user experience as well as there. I mean, there's a few things going on at the same time. So we're about to put out some of our biggest, most comprehensive in detail courses with uh, some of the greats. Like, for instance, we just filmed a course with Jens Bogren and Nissan where we were in Sweden for a few weeks and um, we got the production and mix and master of a song starting at pre-pro all the way through to the end of those two geniuses working. And uh, we have another one. Which is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, we have another one coming out with Howard Benson and In Flames on this new In Flames record that everybody loves. So we have courses like that uh, that are super high level, huge huge undertakings, but then also we're working very, very hard to just make the site a much better experience because uh, we have so much stuff on there now. Like we have created so much material, so 
much stuff to learn about that it can be overwhelming for people when they come on our site and they see a thousand videos. A lot of times they don't know where to start. And even though we have like a basic order for people to follow, it's it's not perfect. And we're going to focus really hard on making sure that the user experience is as good as possible so that when you come onto our site, you can learn about exactly what you want to learn about and find it quickly. But also, if you just want to get better and you're overwhelmed because you don't know where to start, it'll make that easy for you too. And uh, this is way tougher than it sounds to actually pull off, especially with a site that's as complicated as ours. It has multiple subscription tiers and then one-offs and then just so many different types of content. Like uh, it's, uh, it's insane. But along with that, we're constantly looking for how we can upgrade and improve what we already do. Like something that we're going to do more of that we started doing this past year is uh, we have these courses called Fast Tracks that are like an in-depth look at a topic. We started making trainer versions of those to where it's like a seven or eight week long boot camp that trains you on just one particular skill like EQ or something. And if you actually do the exercises, like we give you everything for it. We give you the tracks to practice on and all the exercises and literally everything you need. And if you actually do this at the end of the eight or nine weeks, you're going to be better. Sure. You know, I could go on forever. There, we're always doing a bunch of stuff to, uh, to try and make the site and the offering better, but production keeps evolving. So we have to keep evolving too. technology keeps evolving. We have to keep going with it. The other thing I wanted to get into just before we wrap up is what do you view as the primary mistake a lot like that your kind of newbies are making? Thinking they're better than they actually are and then cutting off or slowing down their own progress. Uh, That's the biggest one. I understand why it happens. So when you first start mixing or producing, everything you do sounds like garbage, but your ears adjust to that. So your ears have this and brain has this amazing ability to to like mix in your head, to do what it needs to do to even things out. So the more you listen to something, the better it's going to sound. This is your brain doing its thing. And so mixers who just started, if they're working on something that sounds like garbage for too long, they're going to get used to how it sounds and they're going to stop realizing how bad it sounds until they figure out one improvement. Like suddenly they figured out how to make the kicks punch through. Everything else still sounds like garbage, but they got a really punchy kick that's probably super loud. But now they have a punchy kick and the records they like have a punchy kick. And so they think they figured it all out. And so their confidence shoots through the roof. Um, They think that they're better than they are. And then they start to rest on their laurels. That's what I've noticed is one of the biggest problems is uh, people who make a little bit of improvement, who think that they're done with the journey. And then the problem happens when they submit a mix for to a band or one of our competitions and they don't get picked or they get rejected and they don't understand why because they thought they're they thought they're awesome now so the biggest mistake i see is getting disconnected from reality and thinking that you can do this quickly like it takes a really really long time and then also listening too loud for too long like so turn shit down take breaks and uh just accept that you're going to suck for a really long time. And if you just accept that, it's going to be better. 
And uh, don't let a band member mix your record? Well, it depends which band member. I mean, you know, Periphery had Nolly mix, but didn't turn out so bad, right? I, I meant broadly speaking. I know that's a piece of advice you've given before. Yes, broadly speaking, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, what kind of objectivity is the person the band going to have? Probably their skills aren't going to be that high either with mixing. So generally a bad idea. There you go. Thank you so much for coming on IL. Uh, and please, guys, go listen or go check out URM on their site, which I'll link below, or their Instagram, which is also linked. Uh, thank you so much, Ayal, for coming on. Thank you. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.